Whether you're trying to get a break from the grind or grinding to break records, running for balance or burgers, only one thing counts. You're out there step after step, mile after mile, and we're out there with you all the way. Visit your local Nike store today to find your perfect pair of running shoes. No matter if you're setting the pace for the pack or flying solo to the rhythm of your own kicks, you're one of us. You coming? Come run with Nike at your local Nike store today. Initialize sequence now. Coming to you live from Houston, Texas, home to the world's largest medical center. This is Your Health First, the most beneficial health program on radio with Dr. Joe Galani. During the next hour, you'll learn about health, wellness, and the prevention of disease. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Galati. Well, a marvelous Sunday evening to everybody. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Thanks very much for tuning in on this Sunday evening, a rather toasty Sunday evening. It has been... Uh, Pretty warm out there, no doubt about it. But when it cooled down a little bit this morning, you sort of say to yourself, is there relief in sight? And I'm afraid that we're probably not going to be able to say that for another month or so. But I do hope you're having a great weekend. We are here every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m. Central Time, broadcasting from our world headquarters here in Houston, 740 KTRH, and across the country coast-to-coast on the iHeart Radio Network. So there is no excuse if you're traveling or on vacation or you want your friends and relatives around the country to tune in, we can be reached. So to uh, contact me and follow along with all that we do, the best website or the website, drjogalati.com, drjogalati.com, and all of our social media Info is there to follow us along. Sign up for our newsletter. There's a tab right on the front of the website that says newsletter. Every week we send out a newsletter coast to coast, all kinds of health and wellness information, recipes, things about exercise, disease prevention. You will be in the know if you get the newsletter. So, uh, do that. And our goal, as we have been saying, we're in our 20th year. We want to raise your health IQ, make you better consumers of health care. That is it. That is our singular mission every week that we hear. Now, on the program tonight, we are talking about cancer. Now, the expert that we have tonight, Dr. Susan Escadier. She's been on Your Health First really from the beginning, though I must say it's been a few years since we've had her on. Uh, we're going to have her on the second part of the uh, program tonight. And what, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking on how I approach my patients, how I approach the community that we speak to on the radio here and all of our social media, the various contacts that we have. And the one point is we all have the ability to make modifiable changes, modifiable changes to 
a particular risk factor for, no, tonight we're talking about cancer. But we're going to have a series in the weeks to come about modifiable risk factors for, tonight we're talking about cancer, modifiable risk factors for liver disease, heart disease, kidney disease, dementia, pulmonary disease, and the list goes on. Because when I see patients and we have to tell them they have a particular condition or disease and it may be serious, it may be not so serious or life-threatening, they always will question, what could I have done? Now, the the mission of this program is, is so if you listen every week, you will start picking up on these modifiable risk factors that we talk about all the time because that is the key. You understanding what your own risks are and then you modify it. So my thought is in the weeks to come, we're going to have a series of experts joining me, tonight's cancer, on what you can do to eliminate a risk or tremendously reduce your risk for fill in the blank cancer heart disease kidney disease etc so that is the mindset that all of you are in control you should not just sit back and say well what the hell i've got cancer that's a horrible way to look at things you have the power and we want to empower you with with knowledge so that is uh, coming up. A little bit of a, a long-winded intro. But um, that I did want to get that out so we have a, a, a good frame of reference. Now, the other thing I want to, you know, this particular weekend, uh, my wife and I, we did a lot of cooking at home. We had our, I, I guess you could say, our new in-laws. So my daughter got married a couple of weeks ago. Her in-laws her husband's parents, lovely people. We have known them for a long time, but we had them over the house to cook. And as you know, I have talked for years about the joy of cooking, how it is marvelous to break bread with friends and family. But a a complaint that I hear from patients when I talk to them about cooking, cooking at home, eating at home, they always will say, it is... What a pain in the neck to cook. All the setup, the cleanup. And at the end of yesterday, it it took time. It took cleanup. But we do it with absolute joy. And the joy that we get of breaking bread with friends and family and people that we care about. So again, I share that story to say, take stock of your own life. What are you doing? Don't let... These things get in the way of you eating good food, cooking for yourself, and getting interested in good food to eat. All right. We are going to take a break now. The name of the program is Your Health First, and that is exactly what we are about, putting your health first. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't forget drjogalati.com. Stay tuned. Don't move. We'll be right back.
The name of the program is Your Health First. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m., just one hour, we should write a prescription to everybody mandating that they listen to the program. I think we would all be a tad healthier. That's what I think. Our website, drjoegalati.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Right on the home page there, it says newsletter. Click it. Fill out the information. Every week in your inbox, you get a copy of our newsletter. And follow us along on all of the other social media channels that we have. And I've posted some things earlier today regarding cancer, which we're going to be talking about with Dr. Susan Escadier on the next segment, focusing this week on cancer and modifiable risk factors. So that is the the mentality, the approach that we have to take. What can I do to reduce my chance of cancer? Now, part of this is it's it's a two-part problem. You have to know what your particular risk factor may be for a different type of cancer. And with Dr. Escadier, we're going to be chatting about that. It is really quite fascinating, and a lot of the information you may not fully realize. Just for instance, hepatitis B. Right? You say hepatitis B, that's a liver problem. That's what I take care of as a hepatologist, liver specialist. You know what a herpetologist is? Sometimes people in the elevator would say, are you a herpetologist? I say, no, I am a hepatologist. A herpetologist is somebody that studies reptiles. But anyway, um, hepatitis B puts you at risk for liver cancer. So you have to start putting the pieces together to say, I have hepatitis B. I may be at risk for liver cancer. Am I addressing this properly? But Dr. Escadier will be on uh, shortly. All right, let me sh- let me change gears a little bit. We're going to bring up obesity again. And part of our cancer talk will be the connection between obesity and cancer. So just put that on on the side burner. But a rather distressing paper came out a few weeks ago. And the headline is obesity threatens US military readiness. And why do you think that is? Well, our recruits are obese. They are flunking the weight and physical requirements of joining the army or the armed forces. And the percent of eligible recruits who exceed the military's percent body fat standard has doubled for men and tripled for women since 1960. And, of course, when you look at the percent of people that are obese today compared to 1960, the numbers have exploded. And so the downstream effect of obesity 
is trickling into the military, our national security. But I'm sure there are other countries that are facing the same problem and their military is going to be overweight, out of shape and not fit to serve. And so this article goes through several strategies to say, yeah, it's the role of the drill sergeant. It's the role of the recruiters. Well, yes, but by the time they show up at the recruiting station in your local town and Johnny is overweight, 18 or 20 years of bad nutrition is hard to turn around on the shoulders of a drill sergeant. Now, I would like to think that a drill sergeant can just absolutely whip the butt of these people and get them into shape. That would be a great study to see. But an interesting point that this article points out is that in 1946, when the National School Lunch Program was passed, it was done to address malnutrition, malnutrition among World War II military recruits This was at a time when limited calories per day were available in the U.S. food supply. Today, the concern for malnutrition is no longer as pressing. Really, what we have is overnutrition. Too many calories, calorie-enriched foods, portion sizes are ginormous, and the end result is obesity. Now, let let me dovetail this in with a big brouhaha with Bill Maher. Now, Bill Maher is a comedian. He is a social observer of what's happening. And I I think since COVID, he's sort of tempered his commentaries, I think. I could find him a little bit more tolerable. And he now made a, a, a big, sort of a big, uh, big situation. I think it was on Twitter, but it may have been on his show that he focuses on, in on obesity. And he is not very happy with what he describes as fat celebration. Now, What he is saying is that people that are obese, they are getting support in the attitude of appreciate your body. Take your body as it is. If you're obese, love your body, love yourself. Don't cave into the pressures of conforming that you have to feel bad about yourself because you're overweight and his whole take, which I do, I do agree with in some of the things he was saying in that if we just allow to have people do whatever they want, if it feels good, do it and not realize that there are real health consequences to this. We're in a boatload of problem. And and I see it every day with obesity. In my world, I see fatty liver, cirrhosis, liver failure, liver cancer, 
If you're a cardiologist, you're seeing heart disease. If you're in the diabetes world, you're seeing young kids with type 2 diabetes. And so while there are individuals that for other medical reasons are overweight, they're obese, we have to fess up and say, let's address it. Just like people that are underweight. If at one end you have somebody obese and is heavy and overweight, being skinny and underweight is not good either. There has to be a happy medium here. But I do believe that there is a a trend, and this has been a trend probably for the last 5, 10 years. And it gets into this negative um, negative vibe with fat shaming. That is cardinal sin number one. That you don't want to be accused of fat shaming anybody. And no, we should not belittle people because of their appearance. But I look at it, it's somebody in healthcare, and all of my healthcare colleagues should look at it to say if you are overweight, you are at risk for a slew of medical complications. And you can say the heck of heck what you look like. You happen to be overweight, yes, but at the end of the day, you're at risk for heart disease, kidney disease, cancer, etc. And so he he has taken tremendous flack for what he said. I will post the article if you haven't seen it. I don't think I put it on Facebook, but most of these articles are on Facebook. It's at Dr. Joe Galati, but if you go to drjoegalati.com, you can go to our Facebook page and you'll see it. So I think we have to, as a nation, address the obesity crisis. At one end, we our, our young men and women are too heavy to get into the army. That is a sad statement. On the other end, we have young people that are chronically ill decades earlier because of obesity, high blood pressure, Etc. And so we are creating almost an entire society, an entire generation that is chronically ill and disabled. It's not good. All right. Well, Dr. Susan Escadier is coming up in the sidelines. We're going to be talking about modifiable options for cancer. What can you do for your lifestyle to make a change? I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. everybody, Dr. Joe Galati, bringing you the best in health and wellness, and I I think we also play the best music for any kind of medical show. You know, 
Dave, our engineer, always supplies the music for us. Sooner or later, I'll get him on the air. Like I said, we're here every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m. Our website, drjogalati.com. That is your one source to not only follow us, but participate in all that we do with our listeners and followers, drjogalati.com. And so as I was saying a little earlier in the program tonight, on the line, Dr. Susan Escadier, an oncologist with Texas Oncology. Dr. Escadier, it's been a while, but welcome back to Your Health First. Well, thank you so much for having me, Joe. Well, I appreciate it. You've been having a good summer. That's what I really want to ask you first. Pretty good. It's, it's awful hot, but it's it's pretty good. All right. Well, what, um, you know, for, for tonight, I wanted to spend some time on having our listeners, having the public understand the whole notion of modifiable risk factors. And one of, the, one of the questions is, you've been in oncology and cancer care for quite a while. And tell us, what, what is the reaction when you're sitting with a patient and their family? And you have to break that news. Those, four, those three words, you have cancer. What is the, the reaction that the patient and their family has. That's that's really what I want to hear. Well, if I'm the first one giving them the news, I would say probably the most common reaction is just shock. Right. Uh, how could this happen to me? Why, why do I have this? Uh, I thought I was doing everything right. And, uh, and I think one of the things people don't realize is that, you know, one in two men and one in three women will get cancer in their lifetime. Right. Yeah, those those are those are shocking numbers. Now, is there like you you know, certainly they say I thought I was doing the right things. Are there ever people that will say uh, they have remorse to say they should have done something better, different, more of something, eaten better? Do you get much of that feedback? You do. And and I think interestingly, sometimes the ones who have the the most reversible factors like smoking, at least in the old days, used to be the most in denial about it. Right. And they try to tell you it was the, the, the tailpipe on their car or the, their job <laughs> and so on and so forth. Um, but I do, I, I also find sometimes people blame themselves inappropriately. They think, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't eat the right thing. I didn't do the right thing. And, and as you have uh, referred to, there are many things we can do to improve our chances of getting cancer and our odds of surviving our cancer. But many times when you get cancer, it's, it's kind of like a lightning strike. Right. It, it just happens. And, and so people really, I, I try to really discourage people from beating themselves up about it and just really focus on what can you do going forward to improve your situation. Exactly. Now there are a, as, as a non oncologist, a fair amount of cancers that, you would probably categorize as genetic. And you don't want to say, uh, regardless of what I do, I'm at risk for a particular cancer. But could you just give a highlight of some of the more common cancers that have a strong genetic component? Well, it's really interesting because I remember seeing the first 
paper, poster on this at a cancer meeting about a particular gene in breast cancer families. And it's just exploded since then. We recognize so many genes that contribute to cancer, but they're not the only factor. Uh, so I think I think forewarned is forearmed. So I think if you have a family history of cancer, you need to know about it. Ask your relatives. You know, some people, not so much now, but in the old days, some people didn't want to talk about it. They're ashamed right. of cancer. Um, but I think that the, you know, probably at least 10% of breast cancers are inherited. Right. And a significant number of colon cancers and also prostate and, and ovary, you know, endometrial cancer. So I think that, um, it, it's important that you know your family history because there are things you can do to decrease your risk. Well, you know, I I say this um, many, you know, multiple times during the week with, with my patients where we're taking a history and, and there'll be gaps in what our medical assistants get and it'll just be blank and I'll go over it with them and I'll say, well, you know, it says here you're not sure why your father died or why your mother died or your uncles. And uh, I, I really try to give them a, almost a homework assignment to say, look, go speak to your uncle's wife and find out why, what condition it was, or talk to your parents or your grandparents, because it is so important that there may be a revelation that you could either test them in a, in a different way or change a behavior. So uh, for everybody listening tonight, you really want to dig a little bit more. And for some people, I'm sure you see the same thing. They don't want to pry into uh, a family's history, but I do think it really is very important. Well, particularly, I find even if patients aren't motivated to do it for themselves, they are often motivated to do it for their children. Right. You know, they may say, well, yeah, you know, why is, should I do that? That is true. Now, that genetic testing, I already have cancer. I said, well, you know, for your kids, it might help your kids or your brother and sister, you know. Yeah. Now, the American Cancer Society uh, put out some information. 42% of cancer cases and 45% of cancer deaths in the U.S. are linked to a modifiable risk factor. And, and that in itself, if we just hang up the phone right now, that is a very striking statistic that basically very close to half of all the cancers you can intervene in some way what's your take on that number i think it, it's absolutely true and i think that you know thank thank goodness the smoking has gone down right but but smoking caused so many uh health problems and that cancer is one of the most dreaded but of course it causes all sorts of other things too so, you know, number one is don't smoke. And, you know, and secondhand smoke, again, even if you are having trouble quitting, don't smoke around your kids. Don't smoke around your wife. Don't smoke around your coworkers. Because even secondhand smoke can uh, increase your risk of cancer. Yeah. It was funny. I was talking with my wife this afternoon, talk, bringing up thirdhand smoke. Do you, in the oncology world, do you talk much about thirdhand smoke from residue of smoking in materials and rugs and clothing and things like that? much because i i tend to think of it mostly as lung cancer risk factors but right. you're right there are a lot of carcinogens in um in tobacco and it's not just lung cancer it's you know mouth cancer and throat cancer and right. skin cancers and so on and so forth so yeah and it, i think one of the interesting things when we got I, to me um 
some pretty good tobacco control laws in Houston um, and in Texas, one of the things people didn't realize is it's the people who work around yes, it, you know, the yes. people who worked in a bar or a restaurant that were the most at risk because, you know, they would have all this exposure. Yeah. But, um, and, and it actually, I think, helped the employers because people weren't calling in sick so much with right. the, the asthma and the colds and the yeah. allergies. Yeah, exactly. All right, Dr. Escadier with Texas Oncology. We are going to take a quick break. I am Dr. Joe Galati. Your Health First is the name of the program. Every Sunday between 7 and 8. A few minutes left. We're going to be talking about getting down into the nitty-gritty of what you can do to reduce your chance of cancer. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. segment of this week's Your Health First. Hope you're getting ready for a powerful week. We hope we can encourage you to think about your health and wellness and eating well, hopefully eating at home, watching what you eat, try to get some exercise in. And on the line, Dr. Susan Escadier, an oncologist with Texas Oncology. Sue, we were um, focusing on modifiable changes, and really, it's it's all dovetailed together with risk factors. And you mentioned the smoking, you mentioned the secondhand smoke associated with cancer, but obesity, alcohol, eating red meat and processed meat to all of our sausage lovers out there, a diet low in fruits and vegetables, physical inactivity, UV radiation. And certain other infections like um, I was talking about hepatitis B, hepatitis C, human papillomavirus. So these are it's it's a whole body of knowledge that the average citizen out there really should be aware of. Where do you think we're at with that? Well, I think that um, that there is a certain knowledge deficit in terms of diet. Uh, and so I, I really try to spend time with every patient talking about well, what is a healthy diet? What does that mean? Right. Uh, and, um, you know, you find people and they want to go buy a supplement or find a superfood. It's really not that. It's eating a wide variety of healthy foods on a consistent basis. Right. Um, and I, I like a couple of rules I like, but the, you know, five to nine fruits and vegetables a day right. is, is really important. And so... You can't do that unless you're eating fruits and vegetables at every meal. Exactly. So, you know, otherwise you get to dinner, you can't even think of the existence of five fruits or vegetables. So right. if you just try to, every time you eat, make sure you're eating, even if you eat something unhealthy if you or, or less healthy, like you have a burger or a slice of pizza, have a salad on the side. You know, skip the fries. Right. Um, you know, just, just try to make sure there's something healthy at every meal. And, and, and I also think you have to live by the 80-20 rule. So if you're doing the right thing 80% of the time, you know, you can have a 
you know, your burger or pizza slice on the weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, as long as you're being healthy the other times. So I think you have to eat a wide variety of, of, of fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean meats. You know, I don't think you need to be a vegetarian or a vegan, but I also think that a plant-based diet is healthier. Yeah. You know, you know, a lot of the times there'll be a news blurb that will say a particular fruit or vegetable, and, and I'll be making this up, you know, broccoli will cut down your risk of prostate cancer, whatever. And everyone's like, oh, we got to eat broccoli. I, I say, look, you, there, there really is not a food or uh, vegetable or fruit that is targeting just one cancer. You need, as you said, you need to eat all of these fruits and vegetables to reduce your risk for all of these cancers, as well as staying lean, cutting down on your risk of heart disease and high blood pressure. So I think we have to be leery when you talk about one nutrient, one vegetable, one fruit for a cancer or a condition. It 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 tends to make everybody forget about all the other reasons you want to yeah. eat well. Well, and I always compared to the Where's Waldo books you had with your kids. Right. You know, you're looking for one guy in the beach with a red hat, but there's 10 other things going on. Right. Or 10,000 other things going on. So carrot is not vitamin A. It's, it's a it's a bunch of different micronutrients that work together. So, you know, again, I'll have people that want to just take, you know, super vitamins or, or, or they'll buy some super vegetable fruit extract, but of course right. you're losing things when you do that. Right. So... Another rule I like is to eat a rainbow, and that's not Skittles. Um, yeah, that's but, right. Uh, eat a wide variety of different colors because there's there's different nutrients in the purples and reds and oranges and greens, and you know and and uh, and then if you if you can try to eat what's you know fresh and local because there'll be a, um, a better nutrition than in things that have been overly processed. Yeah. Now, the National Cancer Institute a couple of years ago published a um, sort of an, a, a cancer fact sheet on obesity, and they list the 13 cancers that are associated with overweight and obesity, ranging from meningioma to cancer of the esophagus, kidney, endometrium, pancreas, gallbladder, liver, etc. Is there, from a research standpoint or sort of epidemiology of cancer, finding that what we believe is the cancer-obesity link, are you seeing it more in your own practice? I, I mean, it's, it's definitely true because Americans in general, you know, we have disease of overnutrition right. uh, and undernutrition. And I think that, again, it's something that's not appreciated that being overweight is a, is a cancer risk factor. And I'm not sure we understand all the reasons, but I think it has to do with metabolic syndrome. Right. Uh, it has to do with lack of physical activity. Um, and so I, I think that, that um, many people who are obese probably aren't on the healthiest diet, and maybe that's why they're obese. Um, but I think that people can change, and you don't have to change everything at once. If you think you're going to go from, you know, uh, uh, your typical diet to being a, you know, vegan supermodel marathon runner, it's not going to happen. But if you just gradually incorporate more healthy foods in your diet and get moving, you're already halfway there. Yeah. And and I I believe you hit it on the head where you said, look, if there's this obesity cancer connection, let's just say it 
really does exist and, and we believe it. The pathway to obesity is probably a food that is low in nutrition without that rainbow diet that you're talking about. They're probably inactive and more sedentary. Maybe they are eating more fried foods and a lot of red meat and barbecued and sa- barbecue and sausage and things like that. So the the thing that we see is obesity, but behind the curtain are these various lifestyle decisions that in themselves are pro-cancer. Does that make sense? Yes, I agree with you completely. Yeah. So that that's the way to look at it. So again, I, I was talking earlier in the program about the uh, the debate about um, you know obese individuals and accepting themselves as they are. I think with the cancer discussion, and you could say the same for people that have heart disease. It's all of these behaviors that are uh, going to promote heart disease or promote uh, liver disease. The other, th- the other thing that I-, I think is gaining a little bit more traction is the link between diabetes and cancer. And again, it may be the same thing. If you're overweight, you're eating the wrong foods, you're inactive, you're more prone to type 2 diabetes, and your uh, diabetics are at risk for liver, pancreatic, uterine, colon, breast, and bladder cancer. Would Do you yeah, think that's really- something different? Well, I think they're all related, is my suspicion, but it is interesting. And we've known for many years that even um, people with a new diagnosis of diabetes sometimes already have pancreatic cancer. Right. So there's, you know, so the pancreas, of course, is key in making insulin, um, which is is in deficit in diabetics, although sometimes it's also that they just have excess fat and their insulin can't keep up with it. But I think there's a lot, a lot going on there. And again, it's, I tend to call it the metabolic syndrome, which I think we recognize as people who have um, obesity, high cholesterol, a tendency for prediabetes, for right. diabetes. And, you know, th- there may be something genetic going on yeah. with these folks that are prone to these diseases, but that doesn't mean they can't, you know, change their uh, risk profile by, you know, actively working against it with the healthy diet and exercise yeah so i would i would say sue um we're we're going to end here we are uh talking in the weeks to come about other diseases and conditions that have modifiable changes but i i think for everybody tonight real look at yourself in the mirror and look at your risk factors know your family history and um i i think through programs like this and your continued efforts we can make a dent. It's it's really one patient at a time. So, Sue, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, we'll we'll have you on a lot sooner than uh, the gap. I think COVID really messed us up trying to get a lot of uh, a lot of our regular guests on the program. Bye. All right, Sue. We will see you. Bye bye. All right, thanks. All right. Well, that was uh, Dr. Susan Escadier with Texas Oncology. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday evening. You've been listening to Your Health First with Dr. Joe Galati. For more information on this program or the content of this program, go to yourhealthfirst.com.
Hurry in for great deals during the Ram Make This the Summer event. Make this the summer, you get the job done. Ram, built to serve. And now get $4,550 in total values and Texas residents get $2,000 cash allowance. Plus $500 bonus cash when financing the 2022 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab with a V6 engine. Total values include combined cash allowance and 2300 Lone Star Level B package value. Financing for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. See dealer for details. Must take retail delivery by 8-1-22. Sheriff Ryer here for Doug Horn and the Dollars and Cents Radio Show every Saturday and Sunday here on KTRH. There's so much uncertainty in the financial markets. Looking for peace of mind when it comes to your retirement savings? For over a decade, Doug Horn has educated our radio listeners on how to make money when the market goes up, but not lose when the market goes down. Worth the listen, Dollars and Cents Radio, Saturdays at 1 p.m., Sundays at 3. On KTRH.